Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. I am your host, Byron Pace, and it is the 2nd of September, 2021. We are back. You may have noticed that over the last month, uh, I took a little bit of a sabbatical. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was a chance to catch up with life after four years of putting these shows out consistently. And also, I was traveling an insane amount, uh, partly podcasting or recording podcasts, uh, and also making films and photography and writing. And it was just a nightmare to try and get all of that together at a time where I could get shows out. But anyway, we are back and back with a great first episode, which is part of an ongoing collaboration with Gunner Kennels, kicked off by a very moving conversation with the company co-founder, Addison Edmonds. We hear about his passion for working dogs and how the legacy of his incredible companion, Gunner, became this driving force behind the world's toughest transport kennels. If you want to read more about this story, you can pick up a copy of Volume 7, Modern Huntsman, which is the water issue, where you can read a masterfully written piece by our editorial director, Chris Dombrowski. Uh, you can get these at modernhuntsman.com. And lastly, before we jump straight into this, thank you very much to all the Patreon supporters out there, and particularly to those who are top tier who include Colin Knight, James Martington, Mark Zabrowski, Richard McNeil, Richard Stevens, Ronnie Speakman, Thomas Cameron, and the team at South Ayrshire Stalking. If you would like to help support the show, either head over to my website, barandpace.com, uh, find the podcast on there, or if you want to support on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash Pace. Addison, welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. It is fantastic to have another bird dog enthusiast on the show i think you're probably only the second like a true somebody who's really enamored with it so it's it, it's great to have somebody like-minded in that regard so that we can geek out on bird dogs a bit wow that's that's great to hear yeah thanks for having me so you have uh, there's a story about um, what's well, kind of your story and the story of your company in the volume of Modern Huntsman, which is as as we are recording this shipping out right now. Um, tell me a little bit about your before we get into that. Tell me a little bit about your background and your your love of bird dogs, and of course, Gunner the bird dog. Yeah, so um, grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and and. Um, not too great of, of bird hunting opportunities around there, but I, I went down to some family's uh, farms in Alabama and, and grew up um, upland hunting and, and waterfowl hunting and and, um, and deer hunting. And it's kind of my first experience with bird dogs and um, always had family dogs, chocolate labs growing up, but but never had a, a true bird dog until I bought Gunner. Um, I think my junior year of college which would have been around 2007 2008 I think um and started training him and and felt like I had a pretty special dog pretty quickly so um, you were doing this while you were at college did it like yep. stay in like your flat or dorms or something uh yeah so I built we were just living in a little house off campus and I I built a a kennel um like a a, a run outside of my window and I I, I remember worrying if the dog was going to dig. So I dug out like a concrete moat for the fence to go in so he couldn't dig out. But I would just keep him in this um, outdoor kennel, you know, throughout the day. And then he'd go with me everywhere. And, and um, so, yeah, we made it work. 
that's that's amazing i had a dog during the period of time when i was at university as well but i yeah i left him at my parents house i wasn't able to to make it work while i was at school all the time so were you kind of escaping at weekends to fulfill your desire to be out with the dog um we would hunt uh pretty regularly throughout the week and also the weekends and um just always training him when he was little um and then as i graduated i stayed um in town and and ran an advertising company that he went everywhere with me and we used his pictures for our advertisements and um yeah i was able to train all around town there's like three or four really well-known um gun dog trainers and breeders around oxford so i'd go out to different places um and train and then also a lot a lot of hunting opportunities out there so um, was this the first well. gun dog you'd you'd trained yourself correct so how what was that learning curve like because I think uh, there's two things here. One is I a lot of people will have questions about how do you train a dog, especially if they've never had a dog that they've trained for hunting before. But equally, I see a lot of people and uh, some of some of whom are friends of mine who have bought dogs in the past think that they can train them and actually have ended up ruining the dog. Yeah, I got pretty lucky. I mean, I, I've got really, really into it. Um and read as, as many books as I could and watch videotapes and, and at, at that point DVDs too, and, and just kind of took a little bit of everything that I'd learned and, and, um, everything that I saw was just really the first few months, just concentrate on sit, stay here. The dog mm-hmm. will naturally want to retrieve, so you don't even have to worry about that. And so just focused on the basics and he was very, very smart. And early on from the start, I remember telling my buddy, like, he was a dog trainer. I said, any flaws he has, I'm sure it's just me being my first dog to train, but, um, we seem to be able to communicate pretty well. So it was, it was relatively easy. And since then I've tried to train other dogs and, um, it seemed a little bit harder, but I think I have more going on later in life with starting the business. But, um, yeah, when I, when I had him as a puppy, I was kind of finishing up school. So I didn't have a full schedule of classes. Uh, so I was able to spend a lot of time with him. So what that sort of uh, growth period, as you were learning from one another, I suppose, what what did what did that look like? What did the two of you get up to? Because I know, as somebody who has, uh, he's not here with me right now because I'm recording this sitting sitting in Montana. Uh, but my old retired man, who is a, a cross between a Springer and a Cocker, is sitting at home with my parents. Uh, he doesn't hunt anymore because uh, he's so very deaf. I mean, I'd take him on walks and I think sometimes he thinks he's hunting because that's just what he loves to do. But I can't mm-hmm. actually really take him anymore because he has no idea what I'm t- asking him to do. But there is this amazing connection between uh, people and dogs in general. But I would say that's elevated when it comes to working dogs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and um, you know... Early on, I would just go to different different fields and parks and, and start working on the uh, line drills and, and um, whistle work. And, and he always just was very fired up to retrieve. And, and um, that was really a reward to him. So it's was, it was it much easier learning to train him. And, um, you know, on the, on the, I, I get it with an older dog that's more deaf. I didn't hear till, um, uh, just a few years ago, a good little tip to go try to train your dog with, with duct tape over your mouth. Um, really just use your eyes and your, your, 
your body and and um, see how well you can communicate. And huh. I've tried it; it's pretty interesting. Um, you mean as a even as a young dog as a as a training mechanism? I tried this after I you know after Gunner was six, seven, or eight. Um, okay, I don't know how it worked as a young dog, but basically it was it was the whole uh, mentality of of where I read it was like you might be over communicating with your mouth when the dog picks up pretty well on body language and hand signals and stuff interesting and of course then eventually when your dog gets old and starts to lose its hearing then you still have a way to really communicate with the dog and that's probably my poor training of my dog yeah no i mean i think the last um year or two of gunner's life he was pretty deaf uh, i've gotten to be pretty bad in, in one of my ears and um, there was a lot more hand work and just looking at each other um, than more of just vocal commands so what was your go-to kind of favorite scenarios for hunting with Gunner when he was around? Uh, primarily waterfowl. I mean, we hunted uh, uh, at a river nearby with some um, on some oxbows and, and um, some flooded fields. But everywhere around, you know, within two hours of me, it was pretty good duck hunting in water and, um, you know, cold, didn't phase him. Um, he never, he never had a no-go or anything like that. He was always pretty fired up to go. So really anywhere I could go, I didn't have a single set spot that I would always go to just get invited or invite myself to different hunts and try to pick up as many birds as possible. But if I'm not mistaken, your dog, Gunner, also played a pivotal role in you meeting your wife. Is that correct? Yeah. It's Explain a, this a, story to me. This, this sounds like something story. out of a movie. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I started this advertising company, and um, we basically put framed posters above the urinals and bars and in the ladies' stall, you know, on the back side of the door, and we advertised for local companies in Oxford. And um, I mean, everyone pauses for a moment when you're taking a leak. Yeah, that makes perfect right. sense. Very captive audience, was people would <laughs> tell me. And I was a terrible salesman, and I hated to sell, but I, it worked. And so... My first client, actually, um, Ivy Jackson, who had a, a clothing boutique there. Um, I just finished up a hunt, and this was when Gunner was still a puppy. I would just bring him to the camp and then throw a little bird for him afterwards. Um, but I took him out to the square, and um, we were walking around downtown there, and, and these girls came up to me, and and one of them was Ivy, who, um, you know, I told her what I did with this advertising company, and she ended up being my first client, and she she pretty quickly said, I've got this girl that you're going to marry one day. And I was, <laughs> I was just like, well, keep, me, That's keep bold. me away from that. Yeah, it was it was weird. You know, I was in no way looking for a girlfriend, much less a wife. And um, You're like, I've got my dog and I've got hunting and I'm sorted. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, so anyways, fast forward, she she introduced us and, and we hit it off. And uh, I think I met her in December of 2009 and we got married in December of 2012. So, okay. um, yeah, it's, um, wow to, to really look back at it because so much has happened since then. And is it, um, a shared love of working dogs? Yeah. So Emily, um, she was finishing up school when I had met her and I, I just graduated. Uh, she really got into outdoor photography. This is before I was aware besides the, you know, really professional, I guess it was it was less of a thing for just a hobby, but she got into outdoor photography and she'd go with me on the boat. She'd go with me to go hunt and watch Gunner. Um, I always thought it was really cool when she would go with us because 
I could tell Gunner was was showing off. I mean, he he was so much more <laughs> really. Serious. Yes, we because she was, was there. Crazy, yeah. He's I, like, I hey, just, dad, I, hey, dad, hey, yeah, dad, just I, don't I, worry, I got this. It was crazy. I just remember telling her like, you need to go to me more often because he's like ten times better dog when you're there. <laughs> um, but she loved. She she got some great pictures of Gunner um, in his early years and all throughout. But um, yeah, she's always been a big dog um, person. Her dad had hunting dogs and. Um, she loves them. It's, it's, a uh, you know, she still does, she does our marketing and branding and she's kind of her and another girl, Macy have been kind of the two people behind our brand from the start. Um, so she's still really involved in the business and big dog person as well. So of course we've been talking about this background and Gunner as part of your life and how that has evolved in terms of a relationship and how important that was to you. Uh, and you, you already um, alluded to the fact that Gunner is no longer with us, but his existence in your life was the catalyst for the business that you run now. So why don't you tell me how that came about? Yeah, I was, um, I've always kind of been a tinker and, and always knew I wanted to start a business and that advertising company I started was not really the end all be all. It was doing really well in business, but I, kind of always felt like I had something bigger in me and and um Yeti coolers that came out about a year or two before I was that guy going through three or four Coleman coolers a year and mm-hmm. um sponsored a banquet a Ducks Unlimited banquet they gave me a Yeti cooler and I remember thinking wow this is incredible this is the last one I will ever need I've still got that cooler and use it regu- regularly and and uh I was training Gunner and just I'm always thinking of different ideas probably like everybody else of how to make things better and it it hit me when i was looking at my crate one day after it rolled over in the back of my truck just from a, a this is a dog crate you're talking about yep yep mm-hmm. and um i thought somebody needs to make a better dog crate and the you know the next best thing was a two thousand dollar aluminum box that takes up the whole back of your truck i didn't have the money for that and didn't want to take up the back of my truck so kind of looked at yeti and thought i'm going to make the yeti coolers of dog kennels Okay. And, um, I mean, that's a pretty good ambition given like where Yeti is and th- they yeah. they did exactly the same thing, didn't they? There was a lot of coolers out there, a lot of which were not very good. So they were, right. how good can you make a product that actually a lot of people already use? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the idea. I remember telling Emily about it when we were dating and she was like, I can see it all from here. Like she's always had a pretty good vision for everything. And I remember thinking, well, can you tell me what it looks like? Because it took me like a year and a half to design the kennel. Um, okay. after I sold that advertising business. But um, yeah, we just wanted to kind of hit, make a best of the best and, and hit it with a big hammer with every little feature um, that I wanted on there to make, you know, the, what I feel like is the best dog kennel on the market. So tell me about that design. Pro- so at, at this point, when you're thinking about um, creating this Yeti of dog um, crates, or do you call it a crate or a kennel? Or how do you describe it? both but it's confusing because everybody yeah i mean either or i'd probably say kennel more often but yeah okay was gunner still around at this point or not yep yeah okay so gunner's gonna get okay got it got you so tell me about the um the actual design process because it was more than just having a place that kept a dog inside this was about the safety of your dog as well right right I, i you know when i came up with the idea i thought well what is the best dog kennel mean and I, I thought number one is safety it's got to be the safest all these crates are made for travel and none of them are safe 
Because they're really just to like separate your dog from the other stuff that you have in the back of your truck. That's the yeah. main purpose of a dog crate normally. Yeah. If you if you get in a wreck, I think, you know, most of the time those things explode or um, fall apart and the dog gets out. And um, so that was kind of the primary object number one is make it the safest. And, and so um, looked into different manufacturing processes and different features. I never had a good way to tie my kennel down. Um, to the back of my truck so I added tie down pins and rubber feet so it wouldn't slide around and a drain plug so it wouldn't uh, so you'd be able to clean it out and drain it out easily and uh, lockable latch I had one of my college buddies have their dog stolen out of their crate uh, at, the, at the Home Depot and and um, that always just really scared me that somebody was going to take Gunner absolutely you know, in, a, in a different crate so I wanted to have a lock on it and um, yeah I, I sold that advertising company about a month after I came up with this idea and moved back to Nashville and proposed and got married and um, started working on the designs and took about a year and a half to kind of flush it out because I knew also I wanted to be the best looking dog kennel, which might not mean much, but just to be the best, you kind of got to hit it on so, all fronts. So like so, the apple. Yeah. <laughs> apple yeah. aesthetics. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a great eye for it, but I, I can tweak or critique things a lot. I mean, it took me about a month and a half just to do the logo, um, which was based off a picture Emily took of Gunner uh, right when we got married. But um, yeah, it's it's it was Orwin. I didn't really know anything about engineering or or manufacturing, but I just I figured it. You know, I got a bunch of confidentiality agreements out with different manufacturers and started talking to them about my ideas and my designs. And one thing led to another and um we had a kennel so uh, the actual process of and the evolution of the design how do you even go about such a thing because you, when you're looking at molded plastic or whether it be metal or something it requires some somebody to make that so what was your design process to have these prototypes that you are obviously testing to get to the final product yeah i um i hired an engineering firm and went through all of my ideas and and um, requirements. And then we just started out with sketches going back and forth. And then when I finally realized you know, that shape, you know, that's the right idea. Let's go, let's go towards that shape. And then we'd kind of hone it in, put it on CAD and, um, for 3d renderings and, you know, kind of go from one step to the next and making sure it's manufacturable. And, and then actually, you know, with, with roto molding a big product like this, there was no real prototype. The first prototype okay. was, buy a hundred thousand dollar tool or mold and wow. make it. So I, I raised That's some money a big and, commitment. So yeah, you well, so you were just this was before the first iteration of it, like physical iteration of it. This was on paper and on a computer. Yeah, I mean I when I went to go raise money, I went and met with people with the little iPad mini. That was the first purchase of my of the LLC um, when I started Edmonds Outdoors, which is just Gunner Kennels, the LLC. Um, and I went around and showed a CAD drawing of a kennel and, and had a plan with, you know, I'm going to make the best kennel and here's why. Um, so then we manufactured, you know, we pulled the trigger on the tools and we made the first one. And my first step was to go crash test it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I thought, you know, I was planning on selling kennels a week after we crash tested because I thought it was going to perform perfectly, but okay. we, we had to do a major overhaul on the door and, um, just have to have to different iterations till we finally felt comfortable with how the crash test performed. So how how were you actually crash testing it? 
Um, so there's an independent third-party research firm called MGA Research. I, I believe they're um, throughout North America, but there's a, a facility over in Manassas, Virginia, and there's a lady um, named Lindsay Wolko who founded the Center for Pet Safety that had these um, crash test dummy dogs. Okay. And I So like a car her. would be crash tested. Yep. And this is where okay. they do crash testing for, for um, babies baby car seats and um, airline seats, everything. So I contacted the Center for Pet Safety and said, I, I've got this dog crate that I, I want to crash test. And they laughed and said, there's no way any, any dog crate is going to pass a crash test. Okay. They're very violent. They're very brutal. And I said, well, let me at least just try. So, um, you know, I think that we're probably the first uh, dog crate that went through a crash testing process and, it, I spent a lot of money and, and took a lot of tries to the whole goal of a crash test is containment of the dummy dog before, during, and after the wreck. Okay. And, um, yeah, we, we learned a lot during that process and made some, some tweaks to the design and had to overhaul the whole door and, um, finally came out with, with what we wanted and then started selling, um, selling the dog kennels the way that we finally ended up at. So what in the, in the early examples that didn't work, like what was, uh, where was it falling apart? What was the problem when you yeah. were testing, doing the going through these crazy crash tests? Yeah, the first one we had like uh, the tie down pins were like a quarter inch in diameter. Um, one of them bent out of place, and I said, "Nope, that's not good enough." So we moved it up to half inch and added a head on it, um, mm-hmm. and that ended up, you know, they all stayed in place. So I said, "All right, that's good enough." The first door we designed was like a wire door. Uh, the dummy dog just went right through that. Unfortunately, I'd already bought like fifteen thousand dollars worth of those doors. Oh my goodness. So, so we had to scrap. Did all you find that. another use for the doors? Did they just uh, get recycled? I, tri- I tried. It was it was going to make it really wouldn't work. Um, mm-hmm. But I tried everything I could. So we had to scrap that. And um, then we, you know, I remember coming up with the idea for a, an actual door frame within the whole door system. And so we added a door frame and and. Um, came up with a glass filled nylon injection molded door with a paddle latch and, and the door blew open in the next test. And then I added backup latches and then the door blew open again. And I, and I thought, well, we're using aluminum rivets. Let's try stainless steel rivets, which mm-hmm. added, you know, an extra $12 to our cost. But it, I remember thinking before that last test, I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm out of ideas because I, <laughs> I, I beefed up everything I possibly could. And sure enough, it worked. And, um, uh, so that's what we stuck with, but it was just kind of a trial and error. And, and then there was a um, Subaru for Subaru of America and the Center for Pet Safety did a crate crash test worthiness study. Um, and we were the top performer in that crash test study. Incredible. Um, so that kind of put us on a national scale where we're on USA Today, Good Morning America and, and all that. And we are. Well, that's a and, huge elevation in yeah. terms of getting the name out there. Yeah, it was, and it really wasn't in that sporting dog market. It was more of just people wanting a safer option for their for their family dog. So huh. we were kind of back ordered from the start, um, along with trying to navigate, you know, startup business. Where I think within about a year, I ended up in the hospital with shingles, trying to do everything myself from customer service oh, to man. marketing and, and manufacturing and everything. So started hiring some some um, some of our team and and growing and. We had our first kid the day we launched our f- website, and we had our fourth 48 months later, and we've <laughs> been in a washing machine, washing machine ever since then. But 
it's all good. And what an amazing story. And of course, Gunner's face stamped on the front of it, Gunner Kennels. Yep. Yep. When I was, when I was raising money, you know, I always called it Gunner Kennels internally when I was building the plans, but I wasn't for sure that's what we were going to name it. I thought maybe okay. Gun Dog Kennels or something. And I talked with a potential investor from New York and he said, there's nobody from New York that's ever going to buy something called Gunner Kennels. And <laughs> I just kept my mouth shut. And finally I realized, you know, I'm doing this for my dog Gunner. I'm, I'm what a better way to pay tribute to him than name it Gunner Kennels. Uh, and um, so that's what we did. And New York is, I think, our second biggest state of customers no way uh, so he yeah. was wrong i guess so yeah but i think you know he was coming from if you're anti-gun or something like that yeah. but i think it's more important about just the story of you know i i love my dog so much regardless of what his name was i wanted to make a you know the best crate out there and at what point during this whole process like how long was gunner with you so well, during the evolution and launch of gunner Kennels? yeah we launched in 2015 he would have been about uh, six, and okay. um, he passed away in March of this year at the age of twelve. My math, my math. yeah, yeah. He was twelve. So he was uh, a he fine was, old man in his yeah, last years. Yeah, we had uh, this time last year. He he went completely paralyzed, and um, I drove him down to Mississippi State in the middle of the night to, to take him to the emergency room, and they said he had a disc that needed to be removed but he'd never be able to walk or hunt again and um i started putting him in physical therapy every day and uh one of the physical therapists noticed this lump on his side and got that checked out and they said well he's got cancer he probably won't make it till christmas well he was already we found out about about uh september of last year and i i decided i'm gonna hunt you know hunt him as, as long as he'll hunt and um he got some dove hunts. We ended up doing about 17 different hunts and I kept, I kept a bird from each hunt. And, uh, two weeks ago on my birthday, my taxidermist brought all 17 birds back that we have in our hallway from, from his last hunt. So I thought that wow. was pretty cool to be able to do. That's incredible. And of course now this, the inspiration for this was Gunner and his legacy in many respects lives on in the kennels protecting other dogs yeah i've you know i never really thought about that till i read the the article um that just came out but um it, i think that's true i mean i i think that it's really cool that we're able to um save dogs lives and and do it kind of in the name of of what he meant to me as a you know my first hunting dog I would imagine now at this point, you must have had uh, stories and feedback where cars have been in car crashes of some description and their dogs have been fine as a result of which. Have you, have you got any examples of that? Yeah, we've got more than we've shared. Um, oh, really? A lot of times there's insurance reasons that they don't want to share it. I've, we've gotten two that the kennel not only saved the dog's life, but saved the passenger's lives as well by holding up the roof. Um, what? And having a space for the passengers to escape out of a flash flood and gee uh, so this was a, a, a car that like flipped and got crushed or something mm-hmm. yeah, and, and then um part of a truck that flipped and he said it kept the roof up enough to save him and yeah i mean everything from a, i think a truck was going 70 or 80 down the highway and there's a cow in the middle of the road and um the dog was you know survived and 
I mean, I've heard some horror stories. And after watching the crash test, which is just a 30-mile-an-hour wreck, um, I started wearing my seatbelt, you know, every time. It's, it's just amazing how violent car wrecks can be. That, that's incredible. And, yeah, you know, it's until I was – aware of your story and and these these dog boxes i had never even really considered it because my dog has never gone in a crate of any description he either sits on the front seat or like just sleeps on something in the boot of my car the trunk of the car and i've never had him in a crate but of course when we as people are in a car we are strapped in for that very reason exactly as you've described so i i don't know maybe it's something i need to really have a hard think about um because it would be tragic if even a low speed collision could kill or severely injure your dog yeah and that's something i we try to stay away from because i don't really like the scare tactic or whatever i've yeah. had people at every every trade show tell me Oh, well, you know, I love my dog so much. He rides in the front seat with me and I just kind of bite my tongue because in the front of the back seat, <laughs> That's you know, me. They, they can become projectiles too and, and injure the passengers yeah. and, you know, and be a distraction. And there's just, you know, all I know is ever since I saw our final crash test, I was like, my dogs are never riding in anything but a kennel, no matter what. Um, uh, just because of, of, of all those reasons you know you don't you don't ever plan on getting in a wreck but it happens you just never know and so where from that initial dog kennel how has the the company evolved and grown since then from the this singular concept yeah um so that the plan was was build the best dog crate kind of build our name on quality and safety and and customer service and and then you know the the pet product space not just in the sporting dog product space but the pet product space is just a lot of junk um i don't know if it's because the dogs can't tell you how <laughs> bad their food tastes or how shitty the toys are with them but you know they it's just i wanted to build a brand name that that we're proud of and that that you know we're proud to offer for our customers for for products for their dogs so uh we've kind of transitioned from gunner kennels to just gunner and um, similar to Yeti coolers, it's now just Yeti, but um, we're working on dog products of, of, I mean, we're working on a lot right now. We're still a small, we have a small engineering team, but working on, you name it, the best possible products for all things dog. So are there any that you can share with us now? Any, any that are out? Um, we've, we launched our first product outside of dog kennels, which is a food crate. Um, ah, that's sitting downstairs right below where I'm sitting right oh, now. Nice, actually. Nice. Yeah, Tyler has it yeah. in his house. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm allowed to share anything else, but I'll okay. tell you that within the next uh, year and a half, we've got some pretty exciting stuff coming out. Been working for a long time on it. It's just it's frustrating. I forget how long it takes to bring a new product to market, but we're working on a lot. But it has to be right. That's the whole point behind, it, you, behind your brand and all, by the sounds of it, all the work that you've done to this point. That's right. But I mean, we're, you know, nobody's perfect. And that's why even our kennel, I still feel like I'm constantly trying to make improvements on things that nobody's ever complained about, but I'm just obsessed with trying to make the best. And like, you know, that's why I wanted to have a really good customer service team because, you know, nobody's perfect. If we made a mistake or you, it's like, if we get something wrong, we want to, we want to make it right. And so we're trying to come up with a product that's as close to ready to market as possible, but then 
you know, we'll get feedback from the field and, and take that and try to revamp each product and make it better, you know, as we go. Are there any um, additions or adaptions to the kennels that have come over time that maybe somebody who had one way back when you first launched doesn't know about and it might be a, a good addition to, to the product that they already have? Um, yeah, some of those earlier, we were at a show in Minnesota last weekend and, and I talked to a customer that ordered a kennel like the first month we came out and um, our door has improved a lot since then. I think we're going to send them a new door, but we've got a better backup lap system and we've got um, a few of our accessories. So when I was, you know, I had a year and a half to design the kennel and then launch the company. And then I was dealing with a lot. Uh, and so we kept getting requests for new sizes and new accessories and like a cover and a, um, a bed and a, and a fan for it. But um, I didn't have as much time as I wanted to make the best product on those accessories. So we're taking this year and a little bit of next to go back and revamp those accessories. Um, and so we're going to be releasing those and then getting more into to products outside of the dog kennels. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm just actually while you were talking, I was just having a, a scan through your website. Um, so tell me who uh, is it? One or more than one came and followed in Gunner's footsteps. Now that he's no longer with you. Yeah. So um, I bred Gunner about five years ago, and because you know I was like, I always want to have a dog from his line. Um, and then, and I had him trained. I didn't have the time to train him myself and got him back. And after he was about one and a half, him and Gunner just started fighting and I couldn't have them around each other without fighting. And we had had, we had three little kids at the time. And, um, uh, I just, I couldn't have both. I was trying to figure out what to do with that dog, but the, the dog that we bred him with, that dog got hit by a car and, um, it's, uh, my wife's best friend in, in Mississippi. And so they offered, they, they would love to have that puppy cause he was very similar to his mom. And so they've got the puppy and I've got a couple other buddies and cousins that bought one of those puppies from that litter. So I still know of like the direct line of Gunner, but, um, so we got a, we had a golden doodle, Emily, my wife bought a golden doodle, uh, right when we started dating and that dog passed away from cancer a couple of years ago. And so she, um, was ready for another kind of family dog. And she picked up Teal, which is a standard poodle about two months ago. So we've got one puppy running around the house right now. And then um, I've got a, a red lab that should be on the ground um, this fall and should be able to pick up this winter. Um, and I'm still going back and forth between names, but yeah, so I don't have a hunting dog right now or for this season. It'll be a, It'll be a weird season not having um, number one gunner with me, but just number two, a, a hunting dog. It's a strange thing if you're used to being out with your dog all the time and all that. You get so well for me personally, and I'm very much a dog person. I get so much more out of my day when I have my dog with me than other days where maybe I, for whatever reason he's not with me or I'm not hunting you know, even even at home in another country. And I, as much as I enjoy watching other people's dogs work, it's different. Mm -hmm. um, so it is, it's a, it's a strange thing, but it's a, it is also equally, it's a beautiful thing to have the opportunity to build a new relationship with, with a new dog going forward and log all of those memories through, through experiences. So that's uh, exciting, an exciting aspect that you have to look forward to. 
Yeah, it, it, it should bring out more of the product um, kind of judgmental side of things out of me when I'm um, when I'm in that puppy training mode, I kind of am always constantly thinking like, how could I make this better for, for the dog? And um, it helps kind of bring new ideas for new products as well. So that should be helpful too. Is there, where's a good place for people to have a look at uh, your story and the products that you have and all the, the social and things that you're posting and new products coming up? Yeah, I think just gunner.com, G-U-N-N-E-R.com. And then um, I think we've got a Facebook page. Um, uh, and then we've got an Instagram page, which is probably where, you know, all the new stuff will be will be announced. But we're direct consumer, um, so we only sell our kennels through our websites and then our partner program, oh, okay. which is built up like breeders and trainers um, throughout the country. So, um, yeah, I think gunner.com is, is probably the best bet. It's it's a really beautiful story, and I, I I think I did the last read of the article, which is the the written version, I guess, to some extent of this podcast, uh, just before it went to design, and uh, it's it was so touching, and I, I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to also get on a call from you and and hear the story firsthand, and that story is in uh, the latest volume of Modern Huntsman. So people yeah. can go and see it there, and it, which is which is shipping. Yeah, we just got ours in yesterday. Oh, and brilliant! I, I was taking a look at it about an hour ago, and kind of got choked up reading it. Oh. It's been, it was a rough, uh, rough time shortly after March, and then kind of getting into a normal day to day, and then read that article. It kind of hit me with emotions all over again. But that's how it goes, I guess. Yeah. Well, it is. Uh, I think if it didn't, then. You know there would be a problem. I think it speaks yeah. it speaks volumes that um, those emotions carry forward through time, and uh, that's the way it should be with our partners in life, be that dog or people. That's right, Addison. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing the story and creating uh, this safe haven for our great companions. Um, I've the first one that I actually put my hands on is the one also sitting downstairs right now. Um, is not 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 in the truck at, at the moment. But hey, actually, just a question while I'm thinking about this: Do you do international shipping? We 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 have we've got them in like almost every special forces unit throughout the world okay. um, for the working dogs. But I think that they've turned that off for the moment, so where okay. it's only. Uh, it's only in America and Canada, I believe, but we will be opening it back up hopefully for the next year or so. Okay, well, I'll have to keep in touch with that because uh, my dog doesn't come in the car all that much anymore, but maybe if there's another dog to follow in his footsteps, I think I might need to look at a gunner kennel. So maybe yeah. that can be in time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Addison, thank you very much for your time today. It's been great to speak to you. Yeah, thanks for having me.